0: Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Yeah, so you do not want to miss this one, guys. This is a, we've got a, a real, it's a real privilege to host Georgie and he's going to come. It's, uh, our heart's going to be touched. Jesus is going to be lifted up. Uh, also, um, I'm on mission right now and my mission is to invite the Providence community to the Win Conference. Um, I think some of you have been asking, you know, what is the Win Conference going to have for me? Um, really, what it is, guys, that's like asking, why should I go to my family reunion? All right. Um, it is it, what we do is once a year we all get together and we bless uh, we, this house gets blessed and all the other houses that we have relationship everybody gets blessed and, and really what we're going after is a man named Jesus and the, the winds of the spirit are blowing us in Jesus's direction so if you want to miss that Oh man, you're going to miss maybe the, the, the best day of the year, and I want to encourage you guys to please come out to that. You are going to be touched uh, a, a deeply in your heart, and also as the as the hosting church for this conference, we just need you here to help love on people that are coming from the outside, and uh, and we, we really really need you. And so I just ask you, uh, we've got Providence uh, tickets that you can get there at a discounted uh, price. You can see somebody in the foyer and do that. I also want to know, uh, let you know that today in our prayer room so if you go into the foyer and you go down that long hallway into our old building and just keep walking straight through the through two sets of double doors that is our prayer room and in the prayer room today we have set up a testimony booth and we are asking you to go and sit down for even 30 seconds and brag on God what he's done in your life. It could be something as small as hey uh, my little toe was hurt and Jesus healed it or it could be something as big as as my marriage was heading for divorce and God saved it or it could be it could be anything in between and, and, and above and beyond that and so we want to uh, to celebrate what God is doing and there's so many god stories that will uh, cause faith in the hearts of, of people to to spring up but we have to tell the stories and so we want to catch some of those stories and so if you right after church if if you'll head down and uh, just share your testimony and be brave, I know speaking uh, in front of people is really hard, uh, but uh, you got to get over it, all right? It is worth it, I promise, and so just go do that. And then we've got a great editing crew too, so if you sound weird, they'll, they'll fix that, all right? So be really good. But guys, uh, this morning, um, we were right in between some series. I wanted to, to speak this morning uh, on worship um, and a- after this series, after, the, uh, you know, after this morning, starting next week, we're going to be doing a series uh, called Parables and Miracles, where we're going to be looking at, at the parables Jesus told and the miracles that Jesus did. And we're just going to spend weeks on this one. All right. We're coming out of a series called Kingdom Family. We spent months on that. We're going to spend weeks on parables and miracles. We're going to be getting to a lot of things. But the, the topic of worship biblically is very important. And the the topic of worship is so important to the heart of God. It's so important to the kingdom, but it's so central to what we do uh, as the church. And so I want to talk about it. It's kind of like uh, finances. It's not always the most fun thing to talk about, but it's important enough that you have to go there. And I think that, that many of us, we find that when we start talking about worship, Uh, we start feeling a little bit of angst, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of maybe frustration. We don't really know why, but we're feeling that. I think some people in worship, when you come to a church like this, maybe if you if you, uh, if you you stand there and you just kind of enjoy Jesus and you don't really do much, you don't dance and move and stuff, maybe you feel a little judged. Uh, or maybe you're coming from a background where you've been trained that anybody who shows any affection or any emotion whatsoever in worship, especially tears, especially shouting, especially lifting your hands, especially dancing, um, those people are off the rocker, and that's called emotionalism, and you have to distrust all of that stuff. So, listen. Listen, guys, we've come from a lot of different places and a lot of different camps. If you know anything about church history and you learned about the Puritans, the Puritans basically built rooms. They they looked like just cardboard boxes. Uh, There was was not allowed to be any um, any, uh, beauty or art or anything like that. And it was just like you just sing songs and not even any music. All right. And many of us, we find our roots have come from some of these places and you don't even know why you agree with it. You, have, you couldn't write a, you know, a, a doctrinal statement on it, but in your heart, you have been wired to agree with some of these things. All I want to do today is I want to open the Bible. Are you guys good with that? I just want to open the Bible. And here's, here's the, what we're going to find. We're going to find that when it comes to worship, God is not asking the question, what do you like? What are you comfortable with? What's your style? Do you like singing? God never ever in a zillion years will ever ask that question. When it comes down to worship, God, the only question the Bible asks and the Bible pronounces is what does God want? What does God like? What does he want? This is the question when it comes to worship. Now there were, in the late 80s, there was this movement that started called called the, uh, the Church Growth Movement. And what was happening is they were trying to attract people to church in the church growth movement. And so they tried to take all of the weird out. They tried to make everything about the people, all right? And so you, you talk to people even today. I was just talking to a pastor just a few months ago that, I, that we were talking about the purpose of the church, the purpose of our gatherings. And he's like, it's about the people. It's about the people. And I was like, it's not about the people. The people get the fruit, but it's about Jesus We don't aim at people and then hope God gets blessed. We aim at God and the promise is you will get blessed, but it's about Jesus and that's why on the wall over here, our vision for our church, like this, there's there's this one group that has really pushed this, that their vision is to to, build a church that that lost people love to attend. I wanna call that very unbiblical. Listen, here's what the church is supposed to be after. We're supposed to be a church that Jesus loves to attend. All right? The church has to start talking like this again. And if we don't, worship becomes about you. And do you know that worship is not a style? Do you know that? So we have all these churches... And we're, t- we're segmenting the churches. And so if you're into the old hymns played by, with an organ or piano, we've got a service for you, and you take all the people that love it that way. And then you take the other people that maybe they love what we did this morning a little bit, and so you have just a service for them. We don't ever have to, you know, we ne- never have to integrate because that would, that would you know, that would be bad. And so then you take the young people. You have a service for them. Service services for everyone based on their styles. I just wanted to say, hey, can we, can we trash all that? And can we base the church again on Jesus and, and worship on Jesus? And then can we all sharpen each other and get along? Stop judging each other and styles. That's what I'm after today. I want to open the Bible and, and, and do this. And so I'm going to be in a lot of places in the scriptures, a lot of the Psalms, you know, three or two chapters in the book of Revelation, and then I'm just going to, like, toss some other stuff out. I'm going to make our guys in the back. Can you thank the guys in the back that serve faithfully every single, every single week? Going to make them scramble a little bit. So I want to discuss worship of Providence and why we do what we do, why we allow what we allow. Um, a, a person told me not too long ago that, man, Nathan, if you guys would just stop letting people dance, we would, we would have 300 more people at Providence. And uh, and I was just I stared at him kind of like was that your point because it's dumb you know it's just like uh, we're not our, our goal is not to like once again this is the church growth movement coming through do you see it do you smell it the goal is not to make it so safe that. A person who doesn't even know Jesus will be comfortable. Do you know what's going to com- uh, comfort the lost people or people who need Jesus in here? It's the, it's the love of the saints that's going to comfort them. Hey, you're welcome here. But we don't tone worship down to fit their needs. All right? So so I want to tell you, this is what we're doing. So we're a Jesus church around here, and, uh, and we're asking the question, what is Jesus like when it comes to worship? That is the question that the scriptures ask. And... Uh, and, and we, we do hear, not perfectly, guys, I'm not talking about perfection, but we do hear what we, we believe we see in the word of God and we believe what, um, what Jesus wants, all right? And the, and the cultural context that we, we find ourselves in. So let me tell you when this ge- how this gets a little practical. Um, my wife and I have uh, really good friends um, named name the Greens, and we've been friends with them for decades, all right? And my wife met them at Lee University, and they have some kind of charismatic uh, roots and, and backgrounds. They, they met there at Lee University. Uh, but then for years, they've been going to a, a Presbyterian church, and they've got three beautiful daughters, and our, our kids have grown up with them. They're all about the same ages. And anytime we go on to Vacation to Florida, we're always aiming at the Greens' house wherever they're living, and we just love them so much. But the Greens actually came up here recently, it was in this, the spring, and visited. Well, they've been going for years to a Presbyterian church. Now, listen, I like Presbyterian churches. Pre- the Presbyterian comes from the word presbyter. Presbyter means preacher. So they have a high value for the preaching of the Word of God, all right? So I'm saying, hey, I, I want to be a Presbyterian church too. You know, I want to have a high value for the preaching of the Word of God. So, so I, I join arms with them on that. But in, in many Presbyterian churches, the, the worship is not expressive, all right? And their Presbyterian church, the worship was not very expressive, but the Word was preached. So I just warned them. Here's, here's the best kind of church when you have to warn your friends about what might happen, all right? And so, so I just said, hey, you know, tomorrow we're going to be in church. I said, I'm not even speaking. Stevis, if you remember the Sunday where Stevis Palmer uh, spoke and, and Big Jason Driver came out here wrapped in grave clothes. And Steve S. Palmer said, said this, is, you know, this is what the church is supposed to be like. When, when, when people come to life in Jesus, you help them remove their grave clothes. And it was a powerful word. I loved it. But worship that day was off the chain. All right. And I told him, I said, listen, I said, I said, we're going to get to church. I'm, I'm just warning you, it's going to be loud, uh, probably too loud uh, than your Presbyterian organ, uh, but it's going to be loud. I said, there's going to be dancing. And people were like, oh, and, and, and Ray Green was just like, oh, just kind of a little bit of, you know, shimmying at your seat. I was like, no, I said, people be dancing all around you. Uh, they'll be up and down the aisles potentially. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And he's just staring at me and nodding. I said, uh, I said, you know, and on top of the dance, there's going to be flags. Oh, flags and banners. It's going to be really wild. I get hit by them occasionally, but I kind of like it. Uh, there's going to be flags. And, and, and raised like, you, so you mean just kind of like waving some flags? I, I, don't, I don't know. It might be waving. So there went, we might have some flag runners. They might be up and down the aisles running feverishly, sprinting. And he's like, uh, okay. Uh, then I said, now, that's, you know, that's the movement. But there's going to be people shouting and screaming. They're like, what kind of a church? <laughs> There's going to be shouts uh, and screams of all different uh, kinds, you know, uh, men screaming, w- women screaming, all kinds. And then that's not to distract you from the people that will be strewn all over the floor. <laughs> yeah. And so as you're looking at hearing people shouting and seeing people laying on the floor, many of them crying and stuff, just prepare yourself for the, uh, the horn blast. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, you, you have like what? You have like trumpet players or like maybe French horns, uh, flugelhorn, perhaps?" I was like, "No, no, not like not like a brass instrument. I mean like an old school shofar." And they're like, "Just." Nathan, have you? what kind of church are you leading here? And then I, I just said, you know, people will be crying. People will probably be praying in tongues. It's just going to be, listen, it, it just, th- this, is, this is what you're getting into, so I'm just warning you. And they kind of like, okay. <laughs> and they sat over here behind us. Uh, I think we got security for them and stuff, too. I, it's something like we were just trying to you know, protect them. But let me tell you this. I followed up with them after the service, and Ray came up to me. He goes, Nathan, I have never in my life experienced anything like that. He said, he said, I wept the entire time. He said, me and my whole family wept the entire time. And I want to tell you this. I said I've never been so proud of this church that I bring my friends who aren't used to our expression but we don't tame it down, we turn it up. And that is exactly what they needed, As we turned it up. And I'm telling you, people were crazy. I think there was, I remember there was a lady in front of me hunched over, just kind of doing this with her arm the entire service. I was like, yes! Please, yes. And I wanna tell you guys, just as the pastor of this church, my dream has never been to worship so safe that we, we, we don't make darkness tremble, all right? My dream has never been that, we, we, that we, we are so composed that nobody can tell if we have an affection for God or not. Like that has never been, my, I, that has always been the pressure. People have always come and tried to, pr- tried to convince me that we need to do less for the lost. We need to tone it down for the lost, but can I tell you, what the lost need the most is a church on fire, not turned down, but burning hot. This is, this is what the church, it des- the world is desperate. Listen, the world doesn't get changed when we make it about what the, uh, someone that didn't purchase the church. And so Jesus purchased the church with his blood. That means that he's the owner of the church. We, we're the bride of Christ. We are sons and daughters. And we have been, the purchase price was his death, burial, and resurrection. And when you, when you were dead, but now you're alive, and you don't deserve it, but you got it, it should be legal. It should be legal in the gathering. To take every affection you have, every sound that you've got, everything in your heart, and give it as an offering to God. So I, I, I love testimonies like that. And I just want to say this, that the good stuff in the, and the best stuff in the body, the best stuff in the body of Christ is not found where people are most comfortable. Do you know that nothing good or very few things good happen in a state of comfort it, growth always happens when, when your body and your life, you're in a place where you're, fu- you're forced to get out of comfort and move. And worship is so powerful because God did not make it easy. David wouldn't even sacrifice animals. This is Old Testament. He wouldn't even sacrifice animal, animals that he didn't purchase with his own funds. He didn't want to present worship that cost him nothing, so this is expensive. This is costly. We're talking about God here, all right? So the good stuff is not found where people are most comfortable. It's, fo- it's found where Jesus is most exalted, where Jesus is most enjoyed, where Jesus is most adored, where Jesus is most lifted up. That's the best stuff in the church. And so today, I just want to, here's what I want to do. I want to I look at biblical terms to worship and what I hope is going to happen is some of these terms, as we define these terms, you're going to see, oh, that's what the Bible meant. I just always skipped over that one. <laughs> you know, I just never thought that applied. But it does. The Bible applies directly to you and so today I want to start with some terms I, I want to define some things I want to give you some definitions I, I want to show you in these terms and definitions clearly what God wants and then I just want to give some direction and speak into you but first grab your Bibles Psalm chapter 95 verse 1 to 7 and then we're just going to be jumping we're just are you guys ready to jump jump, jump. oh my love jumping is that oh that I thought that was biblical it wasn't so anyway it, yeah. Yeah, actually, you know, it's interesting that I said that. I'm just going <laughs> to release this. In 2019, I got a vision. We were still over in the school. But in 2019, I got a vision of me jumping with Providence at the front. All right. And I really believe I don't know if we'll do it today or not, but I really believe the time's coming. So I'm just warning you. I, I think that some of you have watched Others be exuberant, and you've tasted of that exuberance when you watch—I don't know—things like Sunday afternoon football, like your heart's really engaged, or when you watch your kids score a goal, or when something else happens, your heart is engaged, and you don't even have to think about the expression that comes out of your body. But when it comes to worship, I I feel like the enemy has a stronghold on our uh, on our affections and our expressions. And I I really believe the day's coming. I'm just going to invite you to the altar call is going to be jumping with the pastor. It's going to be pastor jump time. All right. And we're just going to jump, and I, I, I'm serious. I, I really feel like stuff is going to happen. But first, let's lay a biblical foundation. Let's not be crazy. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, so let's let's do this. Let's let's read uh, Psalm 95, verses one through seven. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the Rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For, here's why, here's why, whenever it says for, this is, this is, there's the call to the corporate assembly and the corporate adoration of God. Here's why, for, not, God gave you everything you wanted this week. Not that. For, the Lord is a great God. That's always why. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hands. It goes on, if you flip over to Psalm uh, chapter 96, let's, let's read the first nine verses. Listen to this, Oh, sing to the Lord. Now let me stop right there talk to too many people that say, I- I'm not into music. I don't sing. And they actually feel like that is a biblical reason why they can hang in the foyer during the music and don't have to do anything. And they can talk to their friends, not engage. Not that that has ever happened here. I'm just talking about other churches, you see. All right. So listen, listen, the sing is a command. It's not, it's not like, Hey, if you like to, then you should. But whether you sound like a, a mule deer or just a mule by itself, all right? Yeah, listen, I want to tell you this, and here's, and I, I really mean this. Maybe some of you sing so horribly, you've never hit a good note in your, in your life, but what you need to do when you come to church is whoever's sitting in front of you, you need to tap on the shoulder before the service starts because you don't want to distract them, but you need to tap on the shoulder and say, I sound like a, a mule deer that mated with a mule when I sing, all right? And I'm just warning you right now because I'm not going to let how I sound stop me from the biblical commands of God. And I'm letting it out today. All right? It should sound, our singing should sound way worse than it does. It's way too pretty. All right? You are to sing. God loves joyful noises, not necessarily on pitch noises coming from you all. God, God loves on pitch noises coming from here because, because there's a value in the kingdom for, uh, for uh, excellence in our craft, all right? So coming from here, you got to sing well, you got to do your thing well. Out here, though, guys, it's free reign to sound like a mule, as long as there's joy in it, all right? Where were we? Psalm Psalm 96, oh, sing to the Lord. Anytime you see uh, Lord in all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps, that's Yahweh, all right? Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Now, wait a second, my Presbyterian friends... Must not have read this. Did that just say a new song? I guess it did. Uh, so anyway, I, I'll, just, I'll just leave that alone with you. Um, but uh, listen, a church should be writing. If you've got musicians in the house, you should be writing new stuff. Their, new songs are the commandment all over the place. Instead of motive policing churches that are writing new songs. And that's what we've experienced a lot here. If we put an album out there of new songs and stuff, you're like, why would you do that? Why'd you do that? I promise you people, we're not making money off of them. Very few of them, you don't buy them. We can't make money, all right? So off of them. But it's the the church's call to produce new songs. Do you not see this? All right. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, His marvelous works. In other words, this is give testimony that some of you who are going to be sitting in the testimony booth today, it's going to be worshiped. You're giving testimony. You're declaring his glory among the nations and in your life. His marvelous works among all the peoples for, here's why, for great is the Lord. you see that? It's always the reason why. God... Why I don't feel like worshiping today, but God is still great, so I'm going to, all right? For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols. Can, can the church say amen to that, all right? But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the people, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Now, I want you to underline, maybe circle the word of Ascribe, we're going to come back to this in a few moments, but that is a very important word that we don't use much today, Where that's going to be one of the things we define. Look at verse 8. Ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to Yahweh the glory, do his name, uh, bring an offering, and come into his courts. And then let's end here with verse 9. Worship the Lord, worship Yahweh, and the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Tremble before him, all the earth. Wow. Let's keep going for a second. Let, let's, uh, um, I don't know, yeah, let's, let's skip to Revelation just for a second. How many people want to see uh, what worship, like have a window, and we get to actually look at what is going on in heaven right now? All right? So we say, on earth as it is in heaven, ha, ha, ha. Then we judge people that are doing what we see. All right? So let's, let, let's just look. And then, you know what? I think many times if someone makes you uncomfortable, that could be the Holy Spirit saying, hey, that's exactly what you need to be doing. Man, when's the last time you've been on your face? When the last time you let out a, uh, an agonizing shout of help to God, wow. right? So look at this. This is... A uh, Revelation 4 let's just read 8 through 11 and this is uh, John not John the Baptist but but John the apostle who rested his head on Jesus's chest like so this is there's is a guy who was an intimate friend of, of Jesus and now he is exiled to the island of Patmos the only disciple the only of the 12 that didn't uh, die at the hands of persecution but he was exiled to Patmos when he would not die because he was being boiled in oil. He would not die, all right? So they exile him to Patmos, and here's where he gets the revelation. Let's start it with chapter 4, verse 8. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever. And they cast their crowns before the throne. So that they're falling on their faces. They're casting their crowns before the throne saying, basically, you are worthy. We are not worthy of this crown. We got it by grace, Worthy are you, our Lord, and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Let me, I'm just going to read one more part. Let's skip over to, to Revelation chapter 5, just two verses, verse 9 and verse 13. Let's look at 5, 9. Look at, look at 9. It's so good. Um, oh, and 9 and 10. Let's do that. And they sang a new song, saying, so they, they're, all, they're excited because they find out the one person who is worthy. What worthy. Uh, worthy it, it, uh, does not mean you have intrinsic worth, okay? Worthy has everything to do with what you deserve. And the scriptures say there's one person who's worthy. He's the one who's conquered death. He's the only one who can open the scroll. So let, let's look at 9 and 10. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. So, so the, in heaven, they're seeing the gospel. They're seeing the cross, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then look at uh, verse 13 for a second of the same chapter it says this and I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him that's to Jesus who sits on the throne and to the well to him who sits on the throne that's the father and to the lamb that's Jesus be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and let's let's go into verse 14 let's be crazy and dangerous here let's keep going and the four living creatures said amen And the elders fell down and worshipped. So there's a lot here. And in a few minutes, I'm not going to cover all of it. But so I just want to, let's define some things here. First of all, I want to define the word worship itself. The word worship comes from the word, the the root of the word worship is worth. Okay? So when we're worshipping, we're declaring how valuable God is. The root comes from the word for worth. Now, I want to be very clear here. It's not like God has no worth and he's depending on us to give it to him. So when the Bible says, you know, give him glory. Glory is just the beauty of God. We're not making God more beautiful. Listen, we're not not giving God worth. God has no deficiency in himself. And then he doesn't come looking out of his lack. He doesn't come looking to us who has what he needs. That is not how this works. All right. He is full of worth in the only worthy one, all right? So when we are coming and worshiping God, we're not giving God worth, we're recognizing his worth. When we give God glory, we're recognizing his beauty. We're not giving to it, he already is. And he's gonna be it, whether we recognize it or not. But worship is saying, wow, you're gorgeous. Wow, you're the treasure my heart's always been longing for. Wow, you are the one that I want, now, if you remember in, when we were reading in the Psalms, that it talks about ascribing to God. And there's different things you can ascribe to God. Ascribe thanks to God. Ascribe praise to God. But this is ascribe worth to God. Ascribing is an acknowledgment of or a recognition of who God is and what he deserves. So we're like, God, you're worth, you, I'm ascribing power to you. I'm not, it's not that I have power that God lacks, and so I'm giving my power to God so he can have it. That is not worship. That is, that is something entirely different and wrong. What we're doing is we're, when we're ascribing to God, we're acknowledging, we're recognizing who God is, what he deserves, and we say, man, you're all powerful. I ascribe power to you. You're, I'm so, I ascribe thanksgiving to you. You've done so much to me. You've conquered the grave. You've adopted me in by the gospel. We're ascribing to God, and we're we are a recognition of who God is, what he deserves. That is ascribing to God. We're ascribing value to him. We're basically saying, God, in worship, You are my treasure. I ascribe to you the highest place in my heart. Everything else bows to you. You are it all. You are everything. All right? Now, the Hebrew origins of the word for worship actually just meant it just kind of went right to what worship does. And if you boil the Hebrew uh, word down for worship, you just get, get straight to lay prostrate before God. That's worship. So it doesn't even say exactly what it is like we, like we read in other parts of the Bible. It's just in the Hebrew it says this is what worship does. Worship lays prostrate before God. And the significance of laying prostrate before someone is just, it's a recognition of who they are and then who you are compared to who they are. It is popular today to sing about and shout about and celebrate who we are. And I listen, I, I want us to understand who we are in Christ. But when it comes to worship, we're not talking necessarily about, about who we are. We're talking about who God is. And we're, we're saying, you are better than me. You are better than me. I actually I, I lay before you. I don't want to stand on the same stage. I don't want to be in the same realm. It's not that I don't want closeness. It's that I want to communicate in a maybe it's about heart or about, about posture or about body that you are better than me. And it almost sounds like in, in today's culture, that almost sounds like, like, oh man, that's not what it means. But that is exactly what it means. God's better than us. We're not little gods. All right. We're sons and daughters adopted into his kingdom. But God is God and no one else is. And it is okay for us to say you're God and I'm not. You're better than me. and I. But here's the beauty of God. Man, that was a big spit. Uh, Here's the beauty of God. Man, now that is a Jesus church. You know, so the the beauty of God is, is that, uh, man, (laughs) I forgot what I'm saying now. It spit flies out of my mouth. It'll come back to me. My, my mind's like a, like a big, it's like the sun. Things orbit around it. All right. Hey, so let's talk about, let's, let's talk about the, the word worthy for a moment. All right. The root word, once again, for worthy, it's a different word than worth or worship, but it's, it's a cousin uh, grammatically. And the root word for the word worthy is worth, but it's different. Worthy is an adjective, and it's not pointing to intrinsic worth. Like, you know, it's not pointing to intrinsic worth. It, it describes someone who is not just valuable, but also deserving, but not deserving based on someone else's merit, all right, or, like, or grace, but they're deserving based on their own merit, it's like uh, if you're wor- it, like we hear this today and we use this, you're worthy to be on this team. You deserve to be here. You put in the work, you're good enough, you can handle it, so you're worthy to be on the team. You deserve to be here based on your own merits and accomplishments. It's not like your dad's the coach or something. Like you got here on your own, you're worthy to be on this team. All right, so the 53 man uh, NFL rosters, you know, the Washington Commanders, you know, all those guys, they're, they're worthy of being on the team. We're not talking about that, all right? And be praying for the Commanders, by the way, all right? They have a big day, all right, today. Uh, but uh, but this is not this is not that. This is this is talking the worthiness of God. We're, we're talking about who is worthy of all the world's all the all creations worship. Okay, so we're talking, and, and what heaven is declaring is that there is only one who's worthy. In fact, they're searching the globe for a worthy one. They cannot find anything, and John, the apostle, is crying. An angel comes and says, hey, I know it's sad that there's no one worthy to do this, but there is one, the one who conquered death. You have to conquer sin, hell, and the grave to be worthy on your own. That's why when we say, Jesus, you're worthy. This is what we're declaring. This is what we're celebrating. He is the one. Stands in a league by himself. Then there's some other words that are important to worship. Exaltation. Exaltation or to exalt means to lift up, to hold high, to, re- to regard very highly. And it's not just high, it's over and above everything else. So when we're saying we exalt you, we don't say "Hey." You're on our top ten list, Jesus. You know, we say you are, you are high and above everything else. You have no competitors. That's how good you are. There is nobody. You have no rivals. There is nobody that can rival your goodness, your worth, your value, your worthiness. You're the, the treasure that you are. You are the, the rarest treasure. And do you know what? If you have the rarest gem or the rarest jewel in your hand, do, do you know what that means? It means if it's the rarest, there's nothing like it. So it's the most expensive, the most valuable. This is what we're communicating when we worship God. There's none like you. You're the best. You're the top of the heap. We we exalt you. We lift you high over everything. That's why in Psalm 99, verse 9, the psalmist says, Exalt the Lord our God. Just calling us to just, just tell him that he's better than everything. And then there's a word, it's exaltation is a big word, but adoration is a big word. Uh, we get the word for adore. Like this is when we say, hey, let's just stare at Jesus. Just stare at him. Just stare at him. It's we're adoring Jesus. It may sound weird, but just because, just, it may sound weird to you because you've never done it, but just because something's new does not mean that it's wrong. This here is not new. It's ancient. The church just lost it. And the fact that it sounds weird to you just means that you're not in touch with 2,000 years of Christian history. All right? All right, so the Bible calls us to adore God, to look at him. Look in his eyes. Be captured by his value and his worth. Uh, adore, though, and I love this. Adore, like exaltation is more we're going to exalt God with the words of our mouth. The, it's the content of our worship is how we exalt him. It's the words that matter um, as we exalt God. But adoration comes from heart's affections. Okay? This is, the, listen, I'm just defining the word. So this is why your feelings matter as much as anything else in worship. God is not impressed with heartless words that you say that are just true but not felt. Okay? One pastor, uh, I heard one pastor say this, that he's either enjoying God in worship or repenting that he's not. Okay? Do you hear this? If you feel nothing for God and you're just like, when is this nonsense over? I hate songs all right this and it it sounds crazy but it's just how it is guys it's how it if your heart is called to adore the one who's better than everything right how would a child feel if you look at them and you just tell them truth about them but you don't feel it how would it be if you were standing at the altar and you're heartlessly telling your soon-to-be bride or groom things that that you wish were true, but your heart is not attached to the words. All right, so it's a it's a feeling. Adoration is a feeling of great of great love for someone or something, or it's a it's the affection of the heart. Okay, hey guys, like sometimes you have the you have the 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 capacity on a Sunday morning just to come in here and you can't even stand. You just need to sit there and you just need to uncork your heart and just. Feel the feelings again for God, and that that's, it's got to be legal. You can't dance, you can't square dance, you can't, you can't wave anything. You just need your heart to feel again, all right? And that is okay, guys. And then there's the last word is the word praise. Praise is. Listen, we got exaltation. That's the words. We exalt you. You're higher and better. You're worthy. You're. You're not even in. A, you know, we're not even in your league. Like we're. Not, you are the best. Adoration is. We're staring at you and our heart is coming alive. And you are just wanted by us. We. We want you, God. All right. Uh, praise is then the expression of the admiration. It's the expression of the admiration out of out of your body. It's like, it's like praise. We're, like, we're clapping. We're like, yo, Jesus, time. You know, it's good. We, we just praise you. It's it's there's actions that result in real biblical admiration. All right? There's actions that accompany it. All right. So the, the lifting of hands, like, so some of you are like, I, I don't understand I would lift hands but I just don't know what it means let me just tell you a few things I'm not going to go super bible dive here on this one but when my kids were little and I came home from work and we hadn't seen each other in a while especially my daughters but my son too they would run to me with hands lifted up and I just knew they wanted me to hold them so if you come to church and you just need you just need to be held by God is you lift your hands because remember the Holy Spirit cries Abba which is street language for dad in our hearts and Jesus taught us to call Yahweh father and so sometimes just lifting your hands is just like God I just need you to hold me today I just like you're the place I'm running to would you pick me up and then sometimes, too, I think it's natural. Like, I remember seeing a picture of, of a Coldplay concert, and it looked like everybody in the whole crowd had their hands up. Because when you see something good, I think it's the, the natural wiring, the way that God wired us to be like, yes! Or if somebody scores a touchdown, when the commanders score 37 points, and it's not prophetic, but it's probably going to happen, uh, when they score a lot of points and they like, you clap and you shout and you fist bump, and you're like, yes! God, the, we are, we are worshipers we worship something you don't need to be taught this I'm defining it I'm defining what you probably already do I'm just telling you God made your hands to go into the air and praise for him and for other lesser loves it's not wrong to yes Miss Bob, and yes they won the game and cool but it was made primarily for him so there's actions that God has wired in people to do your, your, your daughter scores a goal in soccer and, and just the shouts imagine this your daughter scores the game winner in a soccer game and she looks over to the sidelines so she sees all the other parents losing their minds waving flags doing you know golden banners you know rolling on the ground and all the other parents are going going nuts and you're just sitting there just stone-faced right and then she comes home she's like, Dad, you kind of Look numb. Everyone else was excited and shouting. No, I was excited. <laughs> you were. You didn't seem it. No, the truth is, I was. But, but listen, she's not going to believe it unless you express it, homeboy. Guys, it, you know, you, the, the only one that's fooled is you. God is not. You're fooling. You're saying, I'm singing words that are true. Well, that's great. It's exaltation, and we should be singing words that are biblical, theologically rich and deep. You know all, we should be singing truth. But we should also our bodies should join with the truth of that and affections of the heart and expression through the body. In some capacity, everybody, everybody is different. And we don't all have to express ourselves like robots or machines. But there's just, man, however you parent, however you express yourself when you parent to your kids, that's probably, you know, that's probably your lane. All right? If something's holding you back, man, it just doesn't have to anymore. Love for Jesus can win over insecurity in worship every time. I'm telling you, it's powerful. So I want to just toss out a few kind of things things from the scriptures, just worship statements. I don't have the time to get into all of them, but here's a a few worship statements, banner statements. Okay? Worship is about God. We've said that. And the church is about God, not primarily about people. And that, that's not knocking people. It's just putting God in his rightful place. And it's and it uh, lining up with a theology that says what is best for people is that they wouldn't be first. They were, people were not made to be the center. They were, they were made to make much of he who is the center. We, we have to return to that kind of understanding. I also want to say this, though, that worship is the church's priority. Remember a few years ago, if you were here, we did, uh, I preached through a series on uh, Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. We called it Rebuild. And if you get to Nehemiah chapter 7, once the wall is rebuilt, you see the, the very first thing that Nehemiah does is not decide who's going to be the leader get houses built for people so they have a place. After the walls are rebuilt, the very first thing that he does is he he begins to uh, assign worshipers, gatekeepers, singers, instrumentalists. Do you know that when Solomon was building the temple, the, the temple was expensive, but the greatest expense was the billions of dollars that he spent on the worship leaders, all right? This is, so worship is the priority, the priority, all right? And so, um, and then I would say this, I I would say that we need songs, all right? There's all kinds of songs, but here's, here's some songs that we need in the church. We need songs about God sung to God. So we sing to God about God. These are the songs. It kind of doesn't make sense. It's not like, listen, we're not informing God. We're ascribing to him who he actually is. And they're great. But then we also need songs that help us to tell God how we feel about him. Like Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. That's worship. All right. And then we need some songs that, that maybe, maybe it's just the tune, but it sets up an environment for us to express ourselves to God. It's, it's just, it's, 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 it's Jesus-loving, God-focused worship musicians just creating an envi- environment for people to express, all right? they say, oh, there's no words on the screen, and that's unbiblical. No, it is very, very biblical. It's, a, it's very biblical. Just read the scriptures. Like express yourself to God. Here's just a moment to do that. All right. So worship is made of more than just a few truthful statements. It's words. It's feelings. It's expression. It's content. It's a, it's affections. It's all of this. Do you remember when uh, in Acts 16, when Paul and Silas were wrongly thrown into prison, beaten almost to death, and strapped in the inner dungeon? And when many of us would be saying, God, like, you got to be kidding me, like, we're serving you, we're preaching the gospel, and this is how we're treated, huh? You find that at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing. This is Acts 16.25. Okay? I'm going to turn there. This is, this is fun. fun. Oh, is that pink thing? Oh, I did it. Uh, so, at 16.25, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. All right? So I want to tell you guys, if you were here today and you don't know what to do in your life, you can't pay your bills, you can't get your marriage right, you have no clue what to do, your, your kids are prodigals, you, you just you have no clue which way is up, you feel like your future has no hope, you feel like your, your past is an anchor, like you do not know what to do. I'm telling you, if you feel like you're in the inner dungeon, you're chained, you've been wrongly accused, you, you don't know which direction is up, and you have no other options, there's nobody that will advocate for you. I'm telling you what the, the Spirit wants to do is he wants to draw our hearts to just abandon worship to God. And do you know what happens as Paul and Silas are just praying and they're singing and they're singing hymns, so they're singing some truth stuff about God. Maybe they don't feel like they've been protected, but they're singing, God, you are my high tower and my protector. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you. And they're singing this. You know the word Psalms? The word psalm, it means song. The entire, the biggest book of the Bible is a book of 150 songs. Okay? And so they decide to sing, and then prison doors open as they're singing. Can I tell you this, though, that the Holy Spirit does not come because we're singing about prison doors opening. I think this is one of the things I just want to speak to. Man, what Providence did this morning was masterful when it comes to the content of songs. But a lot of the songs I'm, I'm, I'm hearing out there that are circulating, and sometimes we do them, sometimes there's a place for them, but it's more singing about what we want God to do as a result of worship. Paul and Silas are not singing, you know, chains be broken, doors be opened. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Someone got it. They're lifting God up, and the result of lifting God up Broke prison doors. They don't have to sing about it. It's just a living God. And let me say it this way. The Holy Spirit does not come because we're singing about his presence. The Holy Spirit comes because we're exalting Jesus. So you exalt Jesus, exalt Jesus. And that is where the Holy Spirit wants to come and inhabit. He wants to inhabit praises. The presence of God comes, but the presence of God is not the goal. The exaltation of God is the goal. And then the presence comes. The, do you hear this? So when you have no clue what to do, worship King Jehoshaphat, who's leading his army into a battle that he would have lost in the flesh. He had no clue what to do. He was surrounded on all sides. He just kind of put his knee, knees to the ground. He called a holy assembly, and they just prayed, and they went out to battle the next day. And what they did is they put the worship leaders in the front. Guys, you know that the worship leaders are the tip of the spear. Do you know that? It's that they're the, when you're leading the charge, and the, the people that are going to be singing praises to God, and they're singing praises to God. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21, and they're singing praises to God. And then what God did in the midst of that is he fought for the people. And the song they're not singing is they're not singing, like, you know, battle stuff against the armory. They're lifting up God and exalting him. And in that environment, God comes and he fights for them. I was on vacation a few years ago, and um, we had just put in, we're getting our house, uh, our kitchen um, redone. We're knocking out walls and everything, and, and we left, and it was unfinished. But our builder told us, when you come back from vacation, it's going to be finished. Well, what happened when they were sliding in the refrigerator is the heavy refrigerator uh, uh, rolled over that plastic tube that the water comes through and uh, he got it in there, looked good. But then for two weeks, the Water sprayed and sprayed and sprayed. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gallons into our house. When we came home, our house was just destroyed. We thought we were coming home to a a brand new house. (laughs) But we came home to an absolutely devastated, just just the whole whole kitchen and everything, everything that we just put in was done, seeped into our our basement, destroyed everything, thousands of dollars and all this stuff. And I remember uh, coming home from uh, that vacation and feeling like I, I didn't want to celebrate God. But one day when I found myself by myself in my house, I grabbed my guitar. I used to lead worship all the time for others. Now I lead worship just me and Jesus. And I grabbed my guitar and I stood at the, at the place where the most significant damage was. And I just struck up songs of worship to God. And I praised him standing in the pain spot. I think some of us... You know, this is not your spot. You're not called to lead people in worship, but you're called to lead a life of worship. And so many times what the enemy means for bad is actually chases us away from worshiping God and we start to distrust him. But what, what, what worshipers do is they make the pain the place where the worship is going to erupt from. All right? It's just, they, man, it's like the enemy gets really aggravated at this. The enemy loses doubly. But I would say that private worship is the secret to so much. And I'm just calling us as a church, guide, guys, to re-engage with the heart of God. Let your affections flow. Let your 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 hands do what they were made to do. It's the secret of everything. And I just want to say, guys, that uh, this church, of it, man, I just want to say it, it is the the greatest dream of mine to be a Jesus church where we keep asking him, Jesus, what do you want? It might chase some people off. We'll chase them down with love. But here when we gather, God, it's going to be about you. It's, it's got to be about you. It's got to be about you. And so that is my heart for you today. I, I really hope that you can receive this. Do you feel like you can receive this word today? you feel like God wants to do something in you today? Do you feel like in the weeks to come, in the weeks to come, I'm, I'm going to call for you to come jump with me at the front. Right now, I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to just pray about this for a while and prepare your heart to go places that you've never gone. Uh, but God is going to break chains when we just say, Jesus, I'm going to be undignified for you today. Gonna be, and I'm going I'm to join the crazies. Amen? If you're ready to join the crazies, why don't you just stand to your feet for a moment? I want to pray over you. And if you don't join the crazies, you are loved, but it's just not about you. So uh, amen? So, Heavenly Father, put your arms out if you just want to receive from God in a new capacity. I I want to, God. God, we just say we want more of you. We want more of you. We don't want to burn less. We want to burn more, God. We don't want to feel less. We want to feel more, God. We want our heart to burn like it was designed, God. We want our bodies to respond to your greatness like they were designed to, God. We don't want small loves to be the the center of our lives. We want you, the treasure of the universe, to be the center of our lives. So make us full-fledged, crazy-style worshipers that just don't care about onlookers but care about you and your glory God I just pray that over this church I just pray the best thing about us may we, we do a lot of things wrong we, a lot of things we don't do right but I pray we would never get worship God off our radar God we'd always, we'd always be captured and enamored with you God so just pray that Lord I just pray for hearts that desire hearts that yearn hearts that burn of, Lord, turn affections on even now God Even if if that's you, if your heart hasn't felt anything for a long time, ask for it right now. God, would you turn my heart back on? Would you turn my heart back on, God? I just renounce the things that have taken my heart. Would you turn my heart back on? Just really believe that God wants to do that right now. And how about this, too? You only have excuses for why you don't worship. Right now, just tell God you're sorry about that. And just say, in a Jesus church, and as a Jesus person, I surrender. And I will worship however you want me to. And just tell them that. Man, be crazy and be dangerous today. God, we just bless you. We love being yours. Thank you that nothing will ever change that. We just bless you this day. Touch these people, be near them. Satisfy their hearts. Touch them, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at ProvidenceCommunity.org.